Hello and welcome to the Virtual Frontier, the podcast about virtual teams created by Virtual Team. Disclaimer, all of our interviews are conducted virtually. I'm Daniel, your host, and I'm part of the team here at the Virtual Frontier. Today's topic of our Q&A session is all back to the office. Really, Apple and Co? Since more and more restrictions triggered by the pandemic are being lifted, we have been hearing and reading in the media in the recent weeks about several large corporations who want to get their employees back into the office as quickly as possible. In the case of Apple, for example, this has already led to employees rallying against this back-to-the-office strategy. Now, that the Pandora's box seems to have been opened after more than one year of working from anywhere, the question arises how the changing demand and desires of employees can be reconciled with the strategies of the company. What are the dangers when companies insist on the presence of their employees and what alternatives could there be? These and other questions will be discussed in our today's Q&A session. If you like the show, subscribe on YouTube, Reviot, on Radio Public, follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, Google Podcast, or any other platform you use to enjoy podcasts. You can also engage with our community on Discord. All the links you can find below in the description. So, without further ado, let's dive into the sixth CNO Q&A session at the Virtual Frontier. Enjoy the conversation. Hello, Manu. Uh, welcome to a new Q&A session here at the Virtual Frontier. Very happy to have you again. Um, our topic today, um, as it is present, uh, more and more uh, of the workforce uh, is going back to the office or at some point or uh, extent forced from the employees to get back to the office as fast as possible. And I took that as a chance uh, for our community to open up a little bit the perspectives and talk about the reasons why some companies are urging their employees and coworkers to get back to office. Um, some others have a more open approach to this um, yeah, important topic. And um, yeah, I want to get back to, um, or into the topic with you a little bit and see where um, that is us leading us. So my first question is, how do you receive this um, recent narrative around um, getting back to the office strategies some companies are, are having already in place or preparing for their employees? Yeah, that's a good question. Really happy to talk about that because I wasn't even aware of the fact that so many people are moving back to the office again. Um, I, I think we need to differentiate that between work that really can only be done in a physical environment where people need to be together to get the work done. Like everything that deals with manufacturing is a no-brainer. Of course, they have to be physically present. I, I would... I would keep these uh, industries outside of this conversation. But for every work that can be done digitally, which is more and more every year, and I think it's the majority of those people that now move back to the office because the others, they, they had to some month ago already because otherwise they cannot do any work. And I'm wondering, yeah, really what's the root cause? And I think it's some lack of control if it's really driven by the employer. I cannot imagine that, I mean, I can't even imagine having an office because I had one and it was like, yeah, we, we were just limiting ourselves by, by the office to talent that is living around 100 square kilometers around the office. While now, if we are not limited by a local presence anymore, we can open up our talent pool 
and literally make the entire world our talent pool. So that gives us a little bit, or not a little bit, but a lot more flexibility and, and freedom to choose um, the people we want to work with. So maybe these employers don't see this opportunity. Maybe they had bad experience during the lockdown that either productivity went down or simply people requested to like get back to the office because they miss their co-workers. I think that can also be a human need that needs to be satisfied. That has nothing to do with work itself, but if people see the office as a place where they get their human needs satisfied, okay, that that might be a reason. So I'm I'm really curious um who is the driver of this movement? Is it more the the employer side or are it is it the workforce side? Is it the employees? And honestly, I don't know it, <laughs> but I'm really curious. Do you have some insights about that? Yeah, um, well, I can just talk for, for some of uh, the things and articles and, and contents I, I researched uh, in, up from our conversation. And we're talking here about big players like Apple, where Tim Cook was um, um, sending, sending out letters uh, to, to the um, company. And they're already rallying against it uh, because... I, I see it more like that um, we open up the Pandora of, of this working from anywhere the last year and uh, getting now uh, the genie back into the bottle is kind uh, kind of difficult, right? Um, <laughs> so I was uh, reading about Apple. I was reading about Citigroup, which uh, intends to get back 30% by the, uh, from, of their employees by the end of the summer. Um, another example, New York City, the, the city of New York um, wants to get back 80,000 of their city employees uh, back into the office. So um, it's not uh, um, the, the small company from around the corner. We're talking about big enterprises. <clears throat> and I'm wondering a little bit about that. Uh, I, I could see that also in a lot of comments and, and uh, videos I, I saw that employees are mostly happy with their new gain freedom to choose to work more flexible uh, and, and choose when to work and from where to work. And why are companies ignoring this fact um, that their um, employees are probably are more happy with this uh, new kind of, of possibilities to work from anywhere? I think it's a lack of control and the lack of skills to lead people remotely by results instead of by availability. I think that is the... And, and, or maybe they have employees that are simply not disciplined enough to are somewhere else than in the office and focus on getting the work done. I think that's not for everyone. I also realized that when in 2018, we transformed our entire business to global organization, 100% remote, it's not made for everyone. Some people quit and I had to let some other people go because simply they were not able to work in such an environment. It requires discipline. It requires self-awareness. And it requires focus to get the work done from where you are. So the more freedom you want to have, the more discipline you need to bring and the more like ownership you need to take over your results. While being back in an office is an easy thing when you say, okay, now I'm back in the office. Dear manager, dear boss, I'm here. Tell me what I should do. And then you do the work. And if it fails, you say, okay, he told me so, so uh, it's not my fault. Um, that 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 is a valid reason and that's <laughs> Sorry, that's totally okay because some people want to work like this. And I can imagine that uh, really an environment where they are left on their own choice when they work, with whom they work, how long they work, and it's just about the results is not for everyone. So I think um, if you have these kind of people in your business, 
then you might have seen lower performance, lower results, more complaints, more emotional conversations because people don't feel engaged, socially connected. They feel socially isolated if they don't see the benefit in this remote work and the new gained freedom, but more like a threat or risk. Then I think it's better to bring these people back to the office where they get what they are used to, where they see and have what they want. And then maybe the productivity is better and yeah, you have less less complaints and less people that feel isolated. So the statistics are showing that many people are heading back to the office. Um, I probably will share it in our show notes so people um, can check it out. Um, but what I found out, this is not so much because um, nobody was working the, during the last year or past the past year. It's because people are getting more and more anxious and um, feared uh, about getting excluded, um, missing something uh, in the company environment, or in the worst case, they're they're having uh, their fears that they're gonna get, gonna get fired um, when they're not showing up uh, in presence in in the office. And so my question is, uh, haven't we learned anything during the last year? <laughs> I cannot judge for for everyone and for we, but I'm not sure if this has something to do with learning, but more with the culture. If you have to fear that you get fired if you are not present, your culture is driven by fear. That's one thing, because obviously there is more punishment than there are rewards. And on the other side presence might have a higher value than results. Now, people might not even be able to orient um, on the results they need to deliver because if the business doesn't provide the transparency and clarity about the results they want and the goals they want to achieve, then it's simply for the best people not possible to do the work that contributes to these results. Right? And if you then are afraid or have fear that you get fired, I think that's that's a cultural thing. I, I never want to work in such a culture. I never want to build such a business where people are just motivated by fear. But yeah, I think there are more than enough businesses that still have this old school culture. And yes, they didn't change them during the remote work time. And maybe, yes, they didn't learn anything. Or maybe they learned, but they learned that remote work is not for them. Might also be. Something maybe they learned that remote work creates lower performance than physical presence. They must have a reason. I'm also very curious to 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 get these reasons. Maybe we should invite somebody who really says, I get all my people back to the office and have a conversation in this podcast with these guys because I'm really curious. Yeah, me, me, me too. Because I see on the other side, also like the companies um, that have a positive impact on that. Um, I was checking on um, SAP, Spotify, for example, um, they did and they did go a completely different path. They said that they said during the pandemic they adjusted their their workflows and everything with, uh, what is needed, and say okay now we are set it and you can really work from anywhere and we don't care when you show up to office. Um, we're gonna we're gonna set the environment. We're gonna have maybe hubs where we're, where we're gonna meet and everything, um, but we are not forcing our um, employees back to the office. So we let the, them cho uh, choose to from where to work right um what is going there differently and what leadership style you can see from from the outside uh, as, as a leader of your as on yourself yeah i think these these companies you mentioned they are all empowered by technology 
right? They are all used to work digitally. They are all driven by technology. And that's a different thing than if you have an office and all the work is non-digital because everything just happens when you meet at a water cooler or you, you have meetings in, in, in a meeting room and you develop the belief set that you have to meet in person because otherwise the work can't get done. And you have to have these water cooler meetings because otherwise problems don't get solved. If you build up these stories as your belief system, then of course you will never change because you believe this is the only way to get work done. While other businesses that are driven by technology found another way. They have a virtual office, even if they are physically in the same office, but if all their tools they use are digital, driven by technology, then they are used to communicate in a structured way using technology, etc. So they adopted it. I think for them it was easy to adjust their workflows because they were already used to leverage technology to be more efficient while others still think we need to like communicate all the time physical presence etc and i think that is what what helped them to understand that when people or or let me rephrase that when they experience that remote work works for them and is supported and driven by technology then leading by results is the natural next step as you don't have presence anymore And being present in video calls for like six to eight hours every day is really exhausting and not productive at all. I think these companies, they found out that it's totally unproductive if they just have to have video calls all the time to like get the work done. And then they found that technology can help to implement structured communication and asynchronous communication, which speeds up the flow of information and gets better results because it brings more clarity to the everyday work of team members. And I think that's why, yeah, they maybe they just ask themselves, how can we leverage this? How can we benefit from that? While the others ask them, why do we have to do that? Right, that, that's a different mindset. If you ask how, you find a solution. If you ask why, you are more like a victim and you hope that you get back to the old normal. Maybe that's a difference also, not technology, but also in the brain. Yeah. And you mentioned already like um, one of the two like big arguments I can I could see over all different newspapers and articles I found. Um, the first one, or this, let's start with the second one, as you already uh, um, mentioned it, is like the conversation, the spontaneous uh, conversation on the water cooler, on a coffee kitchen or on the floor. So, and, and I completely, I agree with you, um, like people, especially after one year uh, in, in confinement, most of them, Uh, are hungry for for this personal interaction with, between the coworker probably and everything. What I don't get is why this is brought forward as a reason to force people back to work. So um, I, I get I get the human interaction part, but why why you use that as an argument um, to get people back to work? Right, mm -hmm. it's completely. Yeah, I I think because most people mix up or even confuse getting the work done with satisfying satisfying the need of social interaction and engagement, etc. I think that is the most most important part. You, of course, we all need to have social interaction, but we don't need it to get the work done. We can combine that, but it's not it's not necessary to to mix that up. And I think remote work gives us the freedom of choice to. Um, choose which people we want to meet to socially engage with. That can be our co-workers. I also meet some guys that are like around here, okay, that work with me, but others like you that are far away in Mexico, I just meet virtually, which is also fine. 
and I am closer to my family, which also gives me a point of social interaction. Um, and that are, yeah, also great people, right? So, but I don't work with them. So having, having the, the flexibility and being able to choose with whom you want to spend your time and where you want to get your work done, I think that's a big benefit and that makes work more free and more satisfying, more self-determined for people compared to everyone needs to be in the office because they think that work cannot be done without without satisfying our human needs for social interaction. I think it's it's not beneficial to mix these things up. We both have these needs. We have these both needs, but they don't have to do anything with each other necessarily. Yeah. And and this is what was also something I, I, I read constantly in, in the research. Um, people are much more happy in this in this setting where they can choose to work from where they want. Um, you just mentioned like family, family. So many um, employees have experienced the last year the setting. Okay, they they had to work from home. Um, of course, this was in many settings some sometimes stressful, um, not the right setting, not having a, a, a dedicated office space, whatever in in your home uh, or at your home. But uh, a lot of them um, experience also this this reconnection with their family, with their personal background. Uh, that they're always around. Um, you can interact with your family. You get you get their social social connection. And now getting back to to office uh, will cut all those uh, um, nice uh, perks that they have uh, got last year um, without uh, doing anything. Right? Uh, they were just uh, with their families and could spend more time with them and did be more self determined about that. Um, that's a it's a great point. Uh, you you should always think about um, um, in the future. Um, one big argument um, I, I could also hear um, for a reason to get back to office is that um, innovation, collaboration, and work on complex issues require that people are together physically at the same space. Um, is that really an objection, or is this probably more an excuse? Hmm. Good question. I think that is what we often hear. I mean, I heard that often that complex work can only be done when you are in the same room. I think that's not true. That's simply not true because obviously other technology-driven companies that you mentioned, they are they are also doing complex work and they understood that it's not necessary to be in the same room. So it cannot be the ultimate truth that complex work cannot be done um, without being in the same room. But I agree if you are used to get complex work done, not as a self-driven and self-motivated person, taking ownership over a part of this complex thing and asking others for help and support when you need them, then you need to be in the same room so that whenever something comes to your mind that you want to ask, you have somebody you, you can ask. But on the other side, that leads to constant interruptions where people have only a little focus time. I remember when we had an office, like we desperately tried to have focus time only one hour per day at noon. And even that didn't work. Then people took red flags on their desk, hopefully that somebody will see it. But way too often, somebody came on the desk, didn't see the flag, asked a question, and pong, you are out of your flow, out of your focus. And I think that kills performance more than like trying to get complex work done and not being in the same room. So I think it's just a, 
it's again it's just a belief set it's just what you think will work for you you are always right either you believe you can or you believe you cannot you will be right because if you believe you can you do it otherwise you will never try so i think it's not the nature of complex work but i agree it requires more communication still that can be done virtually either in video calls if they are well prepared and to the point or by asking well prepared questions to a person that sounds or looks like she's the right one to answer this question right and i i just want to um mention that um if you think about complex work and um probably innovative work uh, think about space travel think <laughs> about uh, travel to moon mars uh and all this um where people are working um with quite a distance um from here to moon or from here to the ISS and uh, they're getting complex work done right science and everything and they're not sitting in the same room um they have yeah. several thousand kilometers from here to the next space station so here think about Ultimate that for a moment <laughs> yeah um you already touched touch a little bit maybe we can um uh, get uh, to a um, point where we talk a little bit more about solutions um, how you can structure an environment uh, where it doesn't matter where the current physical location of a coworker is or for, for a team member where location is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we had a podcast already about this. Maybe you can link it in the show notes where we talked about how to bring this clarity to your, to your day, um, to your team, so that people really understand with transparency which goal they need to achieve, how to measure their performance based on objective KPIs, not just based on subjective opinions of other managers, and how technology can support that by providing a virtual office with full transparency and leading people with results, not with availability. Of course, that requires turning around the organic RAM, while typically you have a manager, second-level managers, etc., and they always tell people what they should do or tell them about very often abstract goals like you need to you need to be more proactive like nobody understands what that means and what they should do and when they are like this everyone has a separate interpretation of these abstract goals but when you are able to really bring goals to the point make them clear and transparent and measurable and then help people and support them so they develop the skills and grow personally in order to make this progress towards the goal then leading is a different thing than managing Managing is me knowing the goal and me knowing what needs to be done so that this goal is reached or achieved and me hiring people as a resource while I tell them what to do so they work for me and achieve the goal. But that's a different thing than leading where you have a goal and you support people so they found their, find their own way to the goal. They decide by themselves which activities they start and stop and how they do it. What counts is the goal and you provide your business provides transparency about their progress so that they can see how they are doing. And then I become a coach, not a manager or a leader, not a manager. And I think this way of leading instead of managing is what is required remotely. And if you don't change that leadership or management style, then remote work is hard because you cannot influence people that fast. Right in the office, you see that often you can go to your employee and say, ah, I need you quickly to do this and that. Bam, a lot of work on the desk, please do it. Okay, that's a typical boss-employee communication style. But you cannot do that in a virtual environment because people are not online all the time. Or what happens, that's worse, 
is if people feel they need to be online 24-7 because it might happen all the time that their boss comes and wants something from them and the boss expects that I'm available right now when this person needs me. And then if you are driven by fear, of course, you are constantly online because you fear that it will have consequences when you don't jump when your boss screams. That's a different thing. Otherwise, if you turn that around, if you have this leadership style, the boss waits for people until people approach the leader, not the boss, for support. Okay, then you have a different, you turn that around. The leader is there for the team, while in the other leadership or typical boss-employee organigram, the team needs to react on what the boss wants. Right. And I think this, this was what you just mentioned uh, also led to the um, outcome that a lot of people um, felt like burned out and really stressed during the last year because they tried to, to, to do what they do also already in the, in the physical environment, like just um, answering right away when the boss is there um, asking something um, or being like on top all the way, uh, all the time and, and not having like the opportunity to just um, having spaces and, and time time boxes where you probably answer uh, your questions and, and and rest of the time you're doing your work in a focused manner and and uh, getting things done right mm, yeah um i have an estimation question for you what what do you estimate personally um what is the current percentage uh, between um white collar and knowledge worker with blue collar workers like globally well, what's that? What's the difference? White worker and blue worker? Well, knowledge knowledge worker that that uh, that let's say that uh, would be work that could be possibly uh, um, done virtually or in ah. a remote environment. Okay. And okay. Uh, blue collar workers, what you just mentioned, the bus driver, uh, the mm -hmm. person that works in a nuclear power plant, uh, yeah. scientists that works in an in an in an um, laboratory, whatever it is. Mean. Good yeah. question. Maybe. For, uh, that's a tough one. I hope nobody will laugh at me if I don't know that, but I really don't know. Maybe it's 40% knowledge workers and 60%, no, otherwise, vice versa. 60% knowledge worker, 40% physical workers. Okay, you got it. You got it almost right. So um, <laughs> right right now, the the, the, the global constellation is just like a, a 60 uh, to 70% of white collar and knowledge workers. Okay. Uh, and um, uh, the other part of like, between 40 and 30 percent is really blue collar work okay. so um what i heard also uh, in in the well more than a, more than a year that uh this remote working uh, environment is like something for the privileged and uh people that are only work in technology and everything so but what i realized is um with 60 to 70 percent white collar workers uh, already existing and this is a number of, of growing right as more and more work uh, gets digitalized and and um is changing right uh so this is a number is growing and we have already su surpassed this uh narrative of privilege because 60 70 percent is not anymore like a small a group of people is the it's the majority <laughs> so um what I was wondering, uh, are we probably missing some kind of imagination what will happen during the next five to 10 years? And uh, have we lost the capability to look back um, probably five, uh, 10 years in the past, um, how that has already changed uh, over the last decades, um, our whole working environment? Hmm. 
What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. So looking looking back, typically is what people do when they want to find a reason why uh, why things that they see today won't work. Right? They take their past experience, build a story around that, see a situation, and tell the same story related to a different situation, and say it can't work because of that. So looking back is a typical habit of yeah humanity, I would say. But um, learning from past um, activities. I think it's important, and I totally agree that um, when nowadays even seventy percent are these white white workers um, doing doing knowledge work instead of physical work, technology will speed that up. I mean, in a few years, you even will have physical work that will be replaced by robots, and somebody controlling the robot or giving advice to the robot um, or, or programming the robot, whatever remotely sits somewhere else in the world. So even for this kind of work, physical presence is not necessary anymore. So I think that will be reduced more and more every year. And if you don't see the trend and don't develop your skills to, to really get digital skills, to adjust your habit and your expectations of work, maybe you have to compete with robots. I don't know, but I don't want to be in a situation. So ongoing learning is so important to keep track with the speed of change and it will be faster and faster because it's driven by technology and that speeds things up. Definitely. It will be even faster in the future than it was in the past. Yeah. And for, for that, you, you um, could also listen to uh, the recent recorded podcast uh, with a uh, futurist um, I, I had, um, which was also mentioning ab uh, about this issue of about the constant learning uh, and how, how you have to learn every five to 10 years uh, something completely new, uh, getting maybe back to the university after five, five years because your knowledge, uh, your knowledge is not any more uh, valuable or you have to update it really in a profound way. And uh, another futurist, uh, which is upcoming a podcast, um, uh, is also talking about this complete new spectrum of work that we don't even know exists right now, like uh, the employments that we haven't, haven't even figured out how to call them, right? So we should always be prepared for, for that and, and, and uh, keep learning um, for that what is uh, probably coming up. And I think it's not every 10 years. I think it's every day. You need to work every day, reflect on yourself what worked well, what not, and you will constantly have to learn new skills every yeah. single day because things, the work itself gets more complex and you can only prepare for complex work. You cannot plan with it. So you need to be able to have an open mindset and a constant, uh, be a constant learner because otherwise you, you will be overwhelmed by, by all this work. If you don't like that, if you don't like to learn, to change, to adjust, to adapt, and you resist, sometimes change will break you, and that's painful. Yeah. Um, for, for my last question today, I would like uh, to ask you, why will companies that like rigidly insist on this attendance policies uh, will have trouble retaining enough top talent in the near future and why they should maybe rethink their policies uh, right now? Yeah, I think that's obvious because top talent wants to work self-determined when they want and where they want. And if you force them to be in an office, in your local office, wherever it is, I think they will not do this because they have many other opportunities that are aligned with their interest and satisfy their work needs much better than a company that asks for constant physical presence. So that is that is the thing, you know. Um, staff shortages, I think, is self-made. 
I experienced that when I had an office. I can only recruit people with like 100 kilometers around my office. While if I don't have an office anymore and my culture is completely open, I can hire people from wherever they are. And that makes it so much faster to hire people in days, not, I mean, let's say three weeks. But if you hire locally, it's three to six months. That's crazy. Those people that can hire um, talent in three weeks compared to those that need like three to six months, they are 10 times faster. And talent is the number one driver, having the right talent at the right time with the right skills. That's what the Harvard University stated in their study, building the on-demand workforce last year. They said exactly this. Those companies that have access to the right talent at the right time with the right skills will outperform their competitors significantly. And if there are businesses that still don't see that, they will experience it at one time. Yeah. Great. Manuel, thank you very much for your time today. I hope we could um, set up a kind of different narrative there uh, when it comes to um, the whole topic of getting back to the office uh, or working um, from anywhere and what that might um, means for the near future of work and the success or fail of uh, companies. Thank you very much for taking the time and see you next week on the next session. Absolutely. Here on the Thank you very much. See you next thank time. You. I want to thank Manuel for sharing with us some interesting perspectives on how to structure a work environment where the physical location of a company and their employees becomes insignificant and what it takes to retain top talent in the workplace of today. If you want to learn more about how to scale with your business at any time, working with global top talents and make work better, visit flashup.io slash start to get free access to the Worship Business Builder Training. Learn in this free training how you can build, grow and scale your business with virtual teams and global freelancers. You can subscribe to the Virtual Frontier on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube or wherever podcasts can be found. And while you're there, you can leave us a review. On behalf of the team here at the Virtual Frontier, I want to thank you for listening. So until next episode, keep exploring new frontiers.